podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters, those spooky Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it's time for a Q&A episode. Uh, was working on trying to get something out there with some folks on the basketball staff again on a Tuesday. Uh, but you know what? They're, they're, super, they're super busy over there in the uh, ice training facility. Chauncey is joining uh, with, with a squeaky toy. Um, yeah, super busy over there. If you're listening to this on... Release day, the first and only uh, basketball exhibition game is seven days away versus Washburn. Um, it's going to be here before you know it. I'm I'm super pumped for that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get out to Bramlage for um, the exhibition game. I don't know if we're going to do an instant react to that or not. I'm going to have to take a look at some stuff. We, so we, we might be doing that, um, but but I'm pumped, folks. I, 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 I think some really fun stuff, the horizon for K-State basketball. I think Jerome Tang is the real deal. I heard him. Uh, he did a Zoom event with the uh, season ticket holders. Uh Today, as I'm recording this, this is on a Monday, and the guy oozes confidence. You know, it sounds like we won the quote unquote secret scrimmage. <laughs> I don't know how secret these are anymore. They they put up like a hype video and some pictures from it, uh, but the scrimmage versus Southern Illinois in uh, Kansas City. So he said we won that. I've heard some reports that it was like an 11 or 12 point win. Uh, but lots of turnovers, which, hey, that's to be expected. That's the first time they're playing anyone uh, who isn't rocking the K-State jersey in practice. Uh, but but I'm excited for it. I, I think that this is going to be such a fun year. And I'm ready to see these guys going at it. Um, excited for the women's basketball team as well. Got to give a you know a shout-out to women's soccer. We actually have a, a women's soccer question out here. I I, I, I just think a lot of good is on the horizon for a lot of programs. Before we get into the questions, the first one, I'm going to be cracking open one of the beers right after uh, I knock out this uh, Q&A episode, and that's Manhattan Brewing Company. I just forgot to go down and grab one, uh, to, otherwise I'd be drinking it while recording this episode. You know me, love them. Absolutely delicious. It doesn't get better than that. K-State back in town. K-State football is back in town on Saturday. So get over there. It's a 2.30 game. Drink up. 
takes them four packs to the you know homecoming tailgate. It's homecoming this upcoming week. Get them, get a couple pints, take them with you, and it's going to be great. It's going to be an absolute, absolute blast. I uh, only have a handful of questions, and honestly, it's it's probably for the best. We we know how uh, things were immediately after the game. Uh, you know, I you guys heard me right away. Probably, probably would not have been a very even keeled amount of questions if I would have asked for them right when the game ended. Uh, but we will get into them. I'll, I'll say this: um, just some stuff that. Um, I don't, I'm not going to ask like some insight and be like, oh, stuff I'm hearing. Uh, other people are kind of reporting this. It sounds like, at least according, uh, you know, I don't think he knows anything, but Mike Gundy during the during his press availability on Monday was trying to claim that he knows Adrian Martinez is going to be playing. I have no idea how he knows that when it doesn't seem like anyone around K-State knows. Um. So maybe he plays. I personally, I personally am not. If you put a gun to my head, I would not guess that Senate Daniel Green would play. I don't think either one of those two would play um, because they did not come back in. I gun to my head. If you made me guess, I would say Adrian Martinez isn't going to play, um, which would mean, <laughs> you know, Will Howard would be, hopefully Will's going to play. I mean, he came back in, so I'd anticipate he'd be able to play. Uh, but Will Howard has started every game versus Oklahoma State during his time at K-State. So this would be the third straight game he started against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is just, I mean, talk about, like the, the injury luck TCU's having this past year, or this year, I mean, not getting three straight games, the, basically the entire climbing era outside of that very first year, uh, quarterback going down and having to play Will Howard. I mean, freaking Gundy, man. And I really want to beat Oklahoma State. Currently two and a half point favorites on DraftKings right now when I'm recording this. So DraftKings and at least the line makers seem to think K State uh, is in good is in a good situation. I, I mean, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. I'm cautiously optimistic, uh, but we're going to see. Let's just get right into the questions. We're starting off with one uh, that is completely. Uh, not related to any of the fo- football, but it's from P. Schmied 25. Uh, can you give an overview and update on how all of the new facilities are coming along the athletics complex? Yeah. So it sounds like we're just weeks away from the, uh, from the football training facility being done. Like, I think we're talking like two or three weeks from them uh, being able to move in. So that's absolutely exciting. Uh, sounds like volleyball arena is on track to be finished early spring. Early spring, I believe. And then I think the goal is this summer to break ground on converting the old football indoor facility 
into what indoor track needs it to be. I think the original hope was to have uh, that done by twenty by by the winter of twenty twenty three. So. Uh, like 12 to 14 months from now. I don't know if that is currently on track. Um, I heard all the new premium seating inside Bramlage is done. And I think that's just about it. I, I don't think there's any other facility plans going on. And quite frankly, I don't think there's going to be any new ones anytime soon. Uh, the Gene Taylor master plan is just about done. And there are a few smaller projects, but I'm, I'm going to hit pause on that and really focus on, I guess K-State can't specifically focus on this, but I think they're going to hope that donors decide to uh, get the NIL collectives up and going. Um, we talked to Jesse Ertz about how important that is. I think we're going to see that's where a lot of the donor money is going uh, once the indoor facility for track and field is done. I think Gene Taylor has done a masterful job uh, getting his master plan out there, executing it, getting the donors uh, to take care of all that. And, uh, you know, John Curry got the ball rolling. Gene Taylor picked up the baton and hasn't missed a step. So thank you for that question, P. Schmied. We'll go to Winkle4010. Since the loss to TCU, is the Oklahoma State a have-to-win game to make the ship? So to make it to Arlington, no. Nothing is a true, nothing is a must-win game until you have two losses. You can't have a third loss. Now, saying all that, losing to Oklahoma State really puts you behind the eight ball really puts you behind the eight ball because then if you lose to Oklahoma state TCU and Oklahoma state have both already played each other. You would need, and say you went out. So say you go seven and two, nine and three is the, or yes, seven and two in conference play. And your loss is to TCU and Oklahoma state. You need one of those teams to get three losses. Oklahoma State would have already played K-State, TCU, and Texas, the three best teams. They still have Oklahoma on their schedule, and we know how much of a bogey game that can be. We know know how Oklahoma has dominated that rivalry. But when you look at the rest of it, they get Iowa State at home. They have to go to Kansas, uh, but I don't see KU stopping them. Then they get West Virginia at home. If you lose to Oklahoma State and win out, you're needing Iowa State. You're needing West Virginia or you're needing KU to pull off the upset. And you need Oklahoma to get the win as well. If if, If we lose to Oklahoma State, it is looking very likely that it is going to be Oklahoma State and TCU in Arlington. It's a massive one. Um, I mean, it's it's probably about as close to as a have-to-win game, as, as you called it, uh, as possible. So, yeah. 
It, it's not there, but it's going to be pretty darn close. Uh, I'm going to save Manhattan Hells for last because I actually really like that question. Um, we're going to go to Zach Llewellyn. Uh, which freshman or young guy splashes in the absence of a marquee guy? I I don't I don't I don't know who it's going to be. Um, I mean, because it all depends on who's truly going to be out. Is Will Howard considered a young guy anymore? Um, I would like it to be Toby Osinswani, Toby O. I'm just going to continue to call him Toby O. Um, because no offense to Nick Allen and Bo Palmer. Um, I, I didn't really like what I saw from those two guys in Daniel Green's absence. And, you know, Gavin Forche doesn't play, you know, the mic. He, he doesn't back up uh, Daniel Green. Jake Clifton does not back up Daniel Green. Both those guys are on the field, and but, but not in that position. Now, can you slide Austin Moore over? I don't think so. Um, but you might need to try something. Again, I, I'm. this is not I, – I don't want to drag either one of those guys, but they did not get the job done. Neither one of them are – I guess Bo Palmer might be considered young. I'm not actually really sure what his classification is backing up um, Nick Allen – or, uh, yeah, Nick Allen. So I'm not sure what his classification is, but both those guys, if Daniel Green is indeed out, which again, I I have a hard time seeing Daniel Green coming back. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll hear more from uh, Chris Kleiman on Tuesday, but he he has no incentive to tell the truth when it t- comes to injuries, which I'm fine with. I would, I'd prefer him not to tell the truth, if we're being honest. So we'll see what happens. Uh... Powercat Ryan asks, Gene recently told Kellis that men's basketball sales are tracking towards the 2019 number. That men's basketball season averaged 8,266 fans per game. So he asked me, over under that 8,266 this year. Now, this is an this is a fun question. Because and honestly, I'm not even 100% sure. I'm not 100% sure how they're going to count ticket sales this year versus last. I think in the past they've done uh, student attendance, student scans plus tickets sold, but I'm not 100% sure. If that's the case, if that's the case, then yes, they will because allegedly. According to Kellis Robinette, 10,000 uh, season tickets have been sold for basketball. And it sounds like the official capacity is official. They're going to call 11,000. So if they're going to, if that number is true and if they're going to count attendance as tickets sold plus student scans, then yes, I think we average over that number. I'll also say this. I think they have a massive incentive to show a big capacity number. I think they would like to show something over 90% for the season for basketball. And that's all before talking about how I think this team could get hot. You know, and you have a fun game versus Wichita State early on. You get the Florida non-con. You have all nine conference games. 
Um, I, I, I think the season ticket value is pretty good. I, I think if you don't have tickets, if you're interested in some of those games, they're running a uh, $199 five-pack uh, where you get a ticket to the KU game in any four Saturday big games, so Wichita State, Florida, and then any other uh, any other Saturday conference game. So that's a good price. Here, here's my thoughts um, because it, it is tough, and there's some there's some game times that don't make it, it. It makes it really tough for someone like me living in Johnson County to go to some of these midweek games. I'm gonna try to get out to a handful of them, um, but when when you look at the schedule, I mean, it's really tough to make a 6 p.m. game from Kansas City or from Wichita, and it's. Equally as tough to make an 8 o'clock game because, again, you're either having to leave by 3.30 or 4 to make tip-off for those 6 o'clock games or you're not getting home until after midnight. So it it makes – and that's the biggest challenge when it comes to actual true attendance for men's basketball uh, midweek games. You know, I, I'm glad they're selling a lot of tickets. And, and selling the tickets is a massive thing when it comes to making the men's basketball program financially viable. And I think for the big ones, like, you know, the, the KU game is like a Tuesday at 6 p.m., I think. And if this team is rolling, if they're playing, you know, that senior night game, because uh, I'm pulling up the schedule right now. If they're if they're playing uh, – Oklahoma at home. That's a 7 p.m. So actually, that that makes it a little bit easier. But say, all right, let's say that K State Proud game, Tuesday, February 21st versus Baylor at 6 p.m. If K State is on the bubbler, K State is a fringe tournament team, and they're they're about to play a top 10 Baylor team. Well, then you gotta believe that I'm going to make sure I'm. Logging off work at 3.30 and making it to Bramlage for tip-off. you got to believe that the traffic from I-70 going west uh, to Manhattan is going to be filled with K-State fans who are trying to go to that game. You're going to have that purple wave coming up from Wichita. And then, of course, like everyone who, who's closer, you know, your, your Topekas and the local crowd and the students, they're all going to be there. They're all going to be there, but but it does make it tough. If you were to, if you were asking me, if we change this question, and asked true attendance, actual attendance, turnstile, I would say no. I would say no, because again, you look at some all those midweek games. Even if you go and look at the non-conference, you know, eight p.m. on a Monday in November, eight p.m. versus. University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. And I know it's a doubleheader with the women. Women are going first for that game. I get it. I'm not I'm not like mad. I'm not like frustrated at them doing that. I, I like the idea of them doing the doubleheader. My whole idea, I had a whole idea that was going to have basketball games being played in Bramlage, you know, from like 10 a.m. until midnight on that first night where you can have basketball games. So I'm not getting pissed at them for, uh, you know, not uh, for for doing a doubleheader with the women. But an 8 p.m. game on a Tuesday 
I'm going to be there. I want to be there for the first game of the Jerome Tang era, but I'm, I'm either going to have to, you know, be rolling back into Topeka, you know, 1030. Well, hell, the game won't get over until 10. Won't, you, you know, I, I won't be rolling into Topeka, spend the night with my parents, pick up Chauncey until like 11, 1130, or stay the night with my brother in Manhattan. Like, I can't imagine being like, yeah, I, I'm going, I'm going to Manhattan from Shawnee. You're not getting back. I would not get back until after midnight. That's going to be tough. Going to be tough. So we'll see what happens. And, and then, you know, the, the other doubleheader, Thursday, November 17th, 5.30 tip-off. You know, they're, they're, they're playing uh, Radford on a Wednesday, a Wednesday on December 21st at 1.30. The only way you're going to that game is if you're already checking out for Christmas already. Again, I might take the day off. I might just say, screw it. Take the day off. Go go on down to Manhattan. Get breakfast at the Chef on a Wednesday. Go check out the doubleheader, men's and women's basketball. But again, that's tough. Some of these tip-off times are tough. But I hope fans rally to it. I hope they get down there. And I, I hope we have a lot of good atmospheres. And when I do go to games, I'm going to be rocking my Charlie Hustle officially licensed K-State gear. Folks, we're partnered with them. It is so comfortable. It is so stylish. I saw a lot of Charlie Hustle stuff actually at TCU. I saw a lot of the Deuces Loose shirt. saw a lot of those retro logos. I already told the story about why I had to be wearing my uh, Charlie Hustle crew neck sweatshirt even in 90 degree heat, but I was stylish. I was the best looking K-State fan there. At least my apparel was. So if you want to be looking good all basketball season long, if you want to be the most stylish Wildcat fan of Bill Snyder Family Stadium, Bramlage Coliseum, Aggieville, or anywhere around this great state or country of ours, check out charliehustle.com or go and shop in person on the plaza here in Kansas City or select retailers in Manhattan. Neil Klo asks, when was the last time we had a healthy starting quarterback play every game of the season? I mean, 2019. It's not not as long ago as you guys think. It's really not. I I mean, 2019, and again, I understand. There's been a lot of high-profile, you know, injuries. Again, 2011, 2012, Colin Klein started every game. Hell, even in 2010 when it was, you know, Carson Kaufman starting, he started every game except for when we just said, no, we got to go with Colin Klein versus Texas to run the ball. You know, 2010, hell, 2009, I think, Grant Gregory made it through with, you know, duct tape. He was fine. 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, no injuries. 2013, Jake Waters missed one game, but, I mean, him and Daniel Sams were going back and forth anyways. 2014, he was fine. 2015, like the Jesse Ertz year, we had one, we had one clean year of Jesse Ertz. Uh, so, so that sucked. Uh, Alex Delton and Skylar Thompson went back and forth. Uh, they both had some injuries. Um, Skylar Thompson's final year with, well, actually his final year with Bill, that, that was the one where injuries were going back and forth. Uh, but his first season with, you know, Coach Kleiman was fine. We had two back-to-back, and now probably we're going to have one game or two, maybe three missing Adrian. I don't know. I think he'll be back, though. 
Um, so it's not like it's happened every single year, you know, since Coach Klein or since Bill Snyder came back. I mean, I don't think Josh Freeman once he starts, you know, started. You, you go back. I, I it happens more likely more times than not. But here's the thing: that's just college football. That's just football. You know, I I I don't think K State is any more snake bitten when it comes to quarterbacks staying healthy than any other generic college football program. I don't. I I think that K State ha- deals with injuries at the exact same clip. We just are hyper aware of it because it's our team. We got a couple from Cali Mike. His first one: Does Howard burn his redshirt this season? Uh, and uh, okay, does he burn his redshirt this season? No. I do not think he burns his red shirt this season. I think that Adrian Martinez is going to be back. I think he might miss a game or two, but Will Howard can still play in three games. I don't think we see him burn his red shirt. Um, how do I rate his progression? I mean, he looked good. I mean, those four series were really good, and then uh, the first series he came back in, he helped get us down to the 22-yard line. I thought he looked good. Um, you know, on a scale of one to ten, serviceable. Uh, one being serviceable, serviceable, and ten being holy cow, who's this QB? That ranking system is way off. One, I mean, if that's if that's a scale, then it's like a five. Again, those four drives, I, I guess five total drives from Will Howard. He looked really good. And then we had the three and out. And then he had the interception. So I think he had seven drives. We didn't have many possessions that game. So five out of the seven drives were were, were really good. But, I mean, we've seen small flashes of Will Howard before. We've seen a drive here or there. I mean, hell, the Oklahoma State game in 2020, he brought us back and he was looking good. And it wasn't until his fumble uh, when we were probably going to be going in for the game-winning touchdown. So we've seen him look fine before. Um but we have to see, you know, that there's always something about the starting or the backup quarterback that comes in when the opponent wasn't game planning for him. So we'll see. But Callie, Mike, you need to work on your your ratings. A one can't be serviceable. No. All right, Callie, Mike also asked. Perhaps it's too early, but based on the media's number ten uh, Big Twelve predicted finish for men's basketball, how big of a slap in the face on a scale one to ten? Uh, one being, did you just touch my face? And 10 being, you knocked my teeth out. See, that's a little bit better if you're doing your scales 1 to 10. Uh, it's a 1. It is an absolute 1. If anyone didn't think that was going to be where we were picked in the preseason, you're high. Of course we are going to be picked, you know, number 10. We, we, we finished ninth last year. I think we finished dead last the year before. Um, well, now I'm going to look it up. Where did we finish in 20? <sighs> I mean, God, it's depressing, guys. <laughs> yeah, so last year we finished ninth. The year before we finished ninth. The year before that we finished in dead last. So, I again, what, what, what did you expect? What did you think we were going to be picked? You know, you have... 11 new scholarship guys, plus two new walk-ons, plus a brand new staff. How can you, I mean, I, I don't, 
I'm shocked we weren't unanimously picked last. It's the easiest thing in the world to do to pick K-State last. Um, we're not going to finish last. I promise you that. I would bet every asset I own in this world that K-State will not finish last. But it's the toughest league in college basketball. And you have a literally a brand new team with a coach who has never been a head coach before. You know? Uh, it, it makes sense. So it's definitely a one. Um, Chris, Chris B. Chris B. Chris uh, Brashares. I'm horrible. Guys, I don't even know why I attempt to pronounce some of these names. And that's not even a tough name. I'm sorry. Chris, I'm sorry for butchering your name. I'm the worst. Does winning next week versus Oklahoma State give us more room for another potential conference loss? Yes, 100%. Here's here's the funny thing. We had the question earlier about, you know, is it a must win? If you lose that game, it becomes really tough, really tough to make it into Arlington going 7-2 because you need a lot of help. You need... TCU to either lose three games down the stretch or Oklahoma State to lose two games down the stretch. If you lose to Oklahoma State. Now, you turn around and win it. Then, let's just say you lose to Texas, right? Does anyone really think Texas is going to win out? I don't. I don't. I don't think Texas is going to win out. And this is all assuming 7-2. and two. It, you know, Texas has TCU at home. They have to go to Kansas. Then they have Baylor at home. So, I, I mean, again, only three games, but they just have to lose one of them. You know, say you lose to Baylor. Well, they're going to Texas Tech, and they might be the underdogs in that one. They still have to play Texas. If we were if we were to win the next two, say we, say we beat... Oklahoma State and Texas. All you have to do is win one of the final three. Or two of the final three. You could have a loss, 100%. But I think if we beat Oklahoma State, we're right back there. Uh, Maybe not in the driver's seat because... Well, actually, you are. You, You beat Oklahoma State. We still control our own destiny. Win out, we're in. Beat Oklahoma State, drop one more. I would say it's above a 50% chance we're in. But this Oklahoma State game is absolutely massive. One more from Cole Hager, uh, Colorado Cole, before we end with Manhattan Hell because I really liked his question. Should be required all teams have artificial turf? No. A good good grass field, natural grass field, is better than a good turf field. A great natural field is better than a great turf field. The only time you prefer turf is if you're going bad versus bad. I and, and I would I would imagine at Division One football, most of them do not have a bad natural field. Now, when you start having rain and snow, that makes it that makes it tougher. It does, uh, but I I don't know. I would not mandate natural uh, or artificial turf. No. Final one from Manhattan Hell, and I like this one. At what point does Mike DeBini start getting measured by the same stick as other programs, and not the starting program, or not the starting a program is hard scale? 
They look to be taking a solid step forward this year, so not calling for his job by any means, but just curious to hear your thoughts. This is a great question, and he needs to start being judged by it right now. But here's the thing. Here's the thing with that scale. And I think this is something that K-State fans, especially those who donate, and especially the bigger type donors, this is a question they have to answer. Because here's the thing, Mike Dabini might be finishing, and K-State Soccer might be finishing anywhere between 4th and 6th as long as they grab another win or a few draws here down the stretch. I mean, women's basketball, yes, they're without their star, but that's about where they were picked. That's about where volleyball was picked, and they're going to finish below that. Baseball has not gotten a postseason play in a really long time. They're, they're, does anyone think they're going to finish middle of the pack? I I personally don't. I I don't really care about tennis. I don't really care about golf. I'm I'm not. There's no way I can get emotionally invested in that. But if you're looking at where soccer is, hopefully they're on track to finish this year. Versus where women's basketball is being projected. Where volleyball looks like they're heading. And where we think baseball is going to be going. I mean, he's going to finish right in that neighborhood. And I think that should be the expectation. I, I, I think we are now to the point where the expectation he needs to be graded. He should never miss the Big 12 tournament again. You know, I, I don't care what the sport is. I'm never going to be like... Okay, the bare minimum, don't finish in last place. But, I mean, are any of the other programs really being measured saying make the NCAA tournament? I don't think any of them are. I think the the closest thing to it was, you know, seeing Deb Patterson get fired. But allegedly, 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 I don't have any proof to this. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want anyone to get mad at me. But allegedly, the whole Deb Patterson, John Curry thing had just as much to do with their personal relationship than what the performance was on the floor. You know? That's in... You let a contract expire on baseball and you had a retirement. Probably more of a true retirement than Bill Snyder's was. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I think, I think the, the bigger thing is, is how should K-State Athletics, how should, how should we carry the business of hiring and firing coaches, specifically in volleyball, women's basketball, soccer, and baseball? How should we handle that? Should should it be, you know, hiring, firing, willy-nilly, paying some buyouts, all that type of stuff? I don't know. I don't think that's probably the smartest for a for an athletic department this size. But we've we've seen baseball stadium get a major overhaul as well as their training. We've seen the soccer locker room, soccer stadium built. They have their own grass and their own turf field to practice on. We're seeing a brand new, one of the best, it's going to be one of the best 
volleyball-specific arenas in the entire nation. You know, I, what is the level of standard? What should the standard be? And we, we can all say this. We can all have this conversation on Twitter, on message boards. We can have this conversation on the podcast. But at the end of the day, is there anyone who is going to be like, yes, I'm going to cut a six-figure check to buy out a soccer coach at K-State? Is anyone really going to do that? Is anyone going to be like, all right, I'm I'm willing to donate $1.5 million so we can get a top-tier volleyball coach over, you know, get her, him or her, the assistance they need, and then increase the travel traveling and recruiting budget? Is anyone going to do that? You know, is anyone going to say, no, I, here's $5 million, go become a Big 12 contender in baseball? Because ultimately, that's what it comes down to. You still have to run the budget. You still are bringing in, the revenue is what it is. The revenue is what it is. And those programs are not self-sustaining programs. They're not self-sustaining programs. It can't be, oh, hey, uh, volleyball is a profitable program. We're going to pour more resources into it because that's what they bring in. So you have to have donors who are saying, no, I, I want to specifically become a big 12 contender again in baseball and volleyball and so- blah, blah, blah. And they have to invest that money because at the end of the day, K-State never has invested and paid Top-tier coaches to become a year-in, year-out contender in any sport except for football and men's basketball. They haven't. They have not invested in that. Now, when we do these facility master plans, we have donors who love seeing their names on buildings. They love seeing their names on parts of locker rooms and on video boards. All that type of stuff. But we talked about this like when Scotty Hazleton went to Michigan State, which, hey, I think everything worked out. We don't have donors who are willing to donate $1 million every single year to put their name on the defensive coordinator's you know, office door. Do we have... Because that's what it would take to have any sort of standard, I believe, year in, year out, and say, hey, no, fuck it. If we miss postseason play two years back-to-back in a non-revenue sport, we're making a change. I mean, that's the type of buy-in it would take. And then to attract a coach who can get you to that level, you're going to have to invest more in those sports in an operational budget than we currently are. So I, I like that question. And here's the thing. Women's soccer is going to probably end up finishing higher than women's basketball. Very real chance they're going to end up f- finishing higher than baseball. Maybe around the same as women's basketball as well. And may I hope I didn't jinx soccer. I would like baseball or women's basketball to shock us. Um, but I, I, I think I think Mike Dabini is there. I think it is time to start judging him like we judge any other non-revenue sport. The issue is the bar is very low for those sports at K State. And after all that, after I said all that. I 
think it is fine. It sucks. I would love, I would love to win a national title in volleyball. I'd like to, I'd love to be a perennial contender to win the Big Twelve in baseball. I would like to have a team that is going to the Elite Eight and Sweet Sixteen every year in women's bat. I would love all that. I like, I watch these sports week in, week out on ESPN Plus. I would love to have all those teams ranked, but I don't have the type of money to donate to make that happen. K-State isn't bringing in enough revenue to make any of those budgets worth it unless you are going to basically gut all of them. Basically say, all right, we are going to be paying coaches at a high school level. We're not going to give them a recruiting budget. And we're going bare bones for these sports. Then you could scrunch enough money around that you can say, all right, we can be elite in women's basketball. We could be elite in Volleyball, maybe. Maybe. And probably elite is not even the correct term. So unless K-State all of a sudden gets an invite to the SEC or Big Ten, or there are some mega donors who are like, no. We're, we're winning the Big 12 every year in volleyball, damn it, no matter what the cost. I don't think any of it's ever going to change. And if folks ha- have a, you know a beef with that, then... Become a billionaire, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. All right, that is all we have for this Q&A episode. Thank you to everyone who participated asking questions. We love you guys. Chauncey Bosco needs to go outside, uh, run around in some puddles and leaves. Uh, so we love you guys. Go Cats. K-State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a Wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. You K-State Wildcats for alma mater fight, fight, fight.
Podcast Network.